Hi, I'm Joaquin Evans, co-senior leader of Bethel Austin. I pray that Jesus ministers to you through today's message and that you are blessed deeply. If you're encouraged, please like and subscribe so you can stay up to date with all of our weekly sermons. Enjoy the message. Wow. Good morning. <laughs> oh, I love this house. Okay. Thank you. Um, let me start with this. Before service started this morning, I, I want to, I saw a picture. I just want to give you some prophetic encouragement. I saw fresh snowfall falling on Bethel Austin. And so, of course, the background to the slides this morning during worship was fresh snow falling. And this is what I want to tell you. There is something that God is doing so special in this house right now, in this season. And there is a fresh snow falling. There's a fresh anointing. There are fresh encounters with glory. And I declare over you that you come into an understanding, a deeper awareness, how you are washed and white as snow. And I also see encounters happening with the man whose hair is white as snow. And there's something that's going to happen in December with these encounters that are going to mark us moving into 2024 as a house together. So even today, I declare encounters with the man whose hair is white as snow over your life, over your family, over your holiday season. Let's dive in. <laughs> so I have always had this genuine appreciation for details since I was a kid. Um, I remember, do you, do you know those puzzles where you have to find the one item in a sea of all kinds of items? Kind of like Where's Waldo? Anyone remember Where's Waldo? I loved those things. And in fact, I just did one the other day uh, where I had to find Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in a sea of all regular reindeers. And when I found it, I may have yelled like, yes, like, I was a champion, and I'm sure the Lord was like, way to go, kiddo. I knew you could do it. So it's just this, this love for details. And of course, for me, that naturally translates into stories of the Bible, especially the ones that are so packed full of detail. And there's one that has always captivated me, and it was how the Lord arranged and designed the tabernacle of Moses, and the deepness and the intricacy and how he called these spirit-filled artisans together and how the Lord knew the elements to the layout, to the furniture, to the garments that Aaron the high priest would wear. And there's one piece of Aaron's garment that it was something that the Lord I, I knew saturated in me as a little girl. And it was about Aaron's hat, his turban that he wore. And the Lord was very specific that there was to be a gold plate engraved with holiness unto the Lord. And then this gold plate would be tied to his turban that he wore. And isn't that beautiful? Holiness unto the Lord. And it's a precious visual of Deuteronomy 14.2. You have been set apart as holy to the Lord your God, and he has chosen you from all the nations of the earth to be his own special treasure. Song of Solomon 8, 6, 
You have set me as a seal upon your heart. So when Jesus died for us on the cross, through his blood that speaks a better word, and with the power of the Holy Spirit, we divinely shifted into new covenant. We went from a seal on Aaron's forehead to the eternal seal of Jesus on our hearts in a living tabernacle where God's presence dwells. We're talking the ultimate act of love, the ultimate high priest, the ultimate sealing of your heart, and the ultimate engraving of pure holiness. Hebrews 8.10, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. So this all ties into something that I was just praying with the Lord about this service, and in August, I was walking into my room, and it was August 7th, and the Lord said, next time you preach, this is what I want you to cover. So I've had this topic for four months now, and it's been so much fun where I've just felt the Holy Spirit brooding over it, and I'm so excited for you today because I know that God is doing something special. I know that he's really hitting on holiness right now, a, a greater awareness of the fear of the Lord, because we're gonna need it for what we're moving into. We're gonna need it in 2024. We need a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord and how holiness has marked our lives and how that holiness on our lives affects everything we do, everywhere we go, the assignments on our lives. So let's fast forward this understanding of the seal that Aaron wore 2,000 years forward. And what does it look like for our minds and hearts today to be engraved with a gold seal that says holiness unto the Lord? What does that look like for present day? And so this is where we're going. And my message is titled, Traveling the Highway of Holiness. And the term, of course, is taken from Isaiah 35, 8. New King James, a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. Passion Version says there will be a highway of holiness called the sacred way. The impure will not be permitted on this road, but it will be accessible to God's people and not even fools will lose their way. Now, what's so interesting is I found out that last night, what capped off the Saturday night prayer was Sarah read Isaiah 35. And there's something that God is doing too with Saturday night prayer. There's a, a rhythm between Saturday night prayer and going into the theme of Sunday morning. So if you want a greater awareness of prayer and tapping into something deeper, come join us on Saturday nights because they're going after it. And there's a measure of holiness that's falling that is stirring what God is doing right now. And of course, Isaiah 35, eight, with the highway of holiness is complemented very well by the narrow road. Matthew 7, 3, 14, 13 through 14, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction. And many enter through it, but small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life and only a few find it. So these two scriptures paired together complement each other pretty well. And it's the highway of holiness, this narrow road that leads to life. With that, there's a responsibility 
on us that comes with stewarding this highway well. We have a part to play in this. Engaging the Holy Spirit to help, live, to help us live a lifestyle of holiness. It's a lifestyle that's set apart unto the Lord. You are set apart just in that same way, the gold engraving, you are set apart as holy unto the Lord. It's knowing that without abiding in the fruit-bearing vine, the way, the truth, and the life, we can't do anything without Jesus. Anything. Embracing a deeper understanding of the fear of the Lord by mirroring the mandate that 1 Peter 1.16 says, be holy for I am holy. God expects holiness from us because we're created in his image. So with that, there's a mandate on our lives to steward this highway of holiness well that we're called to travel. So I wanna ask, what are some essentials that we need to travel the highway of holiness well? We're gonna explore some of these and we're gonna do it through the lens of a baptized imagination. So I had a lot of fun with the Holy Spirit with some metaphors that we're gonna use. And we're gonna be using some roadway travel metaphors to help pair the truth with the highway of holiness. And so we're gonna zip through some, many that you know, but then I'm gonna land on just the two and I'm gonna spend a little bit more time on there. And I think as believers, even though we hear these things all the time, the enemy would love to trap us in a place of familiarity where the Bible becomes familiar or even the act of praying becomes familiar or key scriptures may be familiar. And I think having a greater awareness of the fear of the Lord is what shakes us out of that familiarity and keeps us grounded in the truth so that it's always fresh. It's always revelatory. God always has something to say. If the, the scripture about the grains of sand or how many thoughts the Lord has for us, then he has a lot to say. So there's nothing familiar about the Lord. There's nothing familiar about his living word. So right off the bat, one essential, the first one I wanna cover, the 10 commandments. Now, if you remember, Jahi taught on the 10 commandments and he took every one and turned it into wedding vows. I'm gonna do something a little bit different. Now, the 10 commandments, if we're looking at the road metaphor when it comes to the highway of holiness, Simply said, the Ten Commandments serve as guardrails for us to help us from veering off the road into places of danger. You don't have to follow it, but it will protect you if you do. So the way I'm gonna approach the Ten Commandments, now I grew up in New Orleans, born and raised. I love that city. So we have something a little bit different called the Cajun Ten Commandments. So this is where we're gonna go. Are you ready? Number one. God is number one and that's all. Number two, don't pray to nothing or nobody, just God. Three, don't cuss nobody, especially the good Lord. Four, when it be Sabbath, pass yourself by God's house. Five, listen to your mama and your daddy. Six, don't be killing no people. Duck and fish, that's okay. <laughs> Seven, God done give you a wife, sleep with just her. 
God done give you a husband, sleep with just him. Don't take nobody's boat or nothing else. Nine, always told the whole truth. Stop lying or your tongue gonna fall out your mouth. <laughs> 10, don't go wanting nobody's stuff. <laughs> so you've got the wedding vows. You've got the Cajun 10 commandments. They both work really well. The next essential in traveling the highway of holiness, read your Bible. It is the roadmap to guide you on your travels along the highway of holiness. It's the most superior GPS system that's ever been created to get you right where you need to be. It functions as all the traffic lights in your life to help you proceed with caution, follow the pathway of peace for those green lights, and stop you from encountering danger. It's the roadway directional signage that protects you from hurting yourself and hurting others. It's the orange cones that help you not to hit the pothole traps from hell. <laughs> now, New Orleans is a little bit different. We have a legacy of potholes. And there was just a news article two months ago where some people encountered a pothole so large that they turned it into a mini swimming pool and put cones around it, and it made national news. It's not something I would want to do, go... Go take to swim in a pothole in New Orleans. The next essential, prayer. This is the gasoline you need to keep you moving forward. And I heard Joaquin say one time, let us burn brighter, cleaner, and clearer. Let's not take our foot off the accelerator of prayer, but let's press in. Power of prayer is the fuel you need for your journey ahead. You have to have it. Now, Watchman Nee is someone that I consider an authority on prayer, and I had to pull some quotes for him. Circumstances should only be a means of driving us into the presence of God to wait on him. They should not control our prayer. And then this one. Why do so many Christians pray such tiny prayers when their God is so big? Let's up our prayer game, y'all. If we serve a dreaming God, then let's dream with him through our prayers. Take the next, the next step and let's amp it up. Another essential that I know you've heard, the armor of God. Found in Ephesians. Now this is not just a cute lesson to be heard in Impact Kids. It's not just a Sunday school song that you may remember from growing up. This is a kingdom-mandated, angel-army-encompassed battle plan of protection to help you stand against the schemes of the enemy. Consider the armor of God like the seatbelt of safety for your life. So every time you get in your car, my hope is that you're reminded to pray the armor of God over your life. The helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, belt of truth. Be wrapped in character, integrity, and honesty. Be wrapped in the way, the truth, and the life. Be wrapped in Jesus. The shoes of the gospel of peace. Billy Graham once said, we need to be sure-footed, established, grounded, and ready to go with the good news of Jesus. The shield of faith and the sword of the spirit. This is probably the one that I want to emphasize the most. It's the piercing, 
double-edged truth of the living word. This was Jesus' preferred combat method in Luke 4 when he was in the wilderness and being tempted by the enemy. His rebuttal was the living word of God. And like a double-edged sword, the enemy had to go. This is an essential key to the armor of God that you put on your life. It's like prayer clothing for the soul that we need to pray one piece at a time and daily. Not every once a week, not once a month, daily. Another essential, I would tell you, would be praying in tongues. This is, it equates to the engine, but you have an engine and then you have a turbocharged engine. <laughs> and this is what praying in tongues does. Now, I had to do my car research, and for those that you drive trucks, this falls in line with you as well. The literal definition of a turbocharger works to force more air into the engine than it would otherwise be able to inhale on its own, allowing the engine to generate even more power than it normally would under the same conditions. Now think about that through the lens of praying in tongues. A turbocharger, tongues, speaking in tongues, is designed to give your engine more power, to improve overall efficiency, and to increase performance. I love praying in tongues, particularly when I'm driving. There's something that just happens when I'm on the road. Praying in tongues helps you to navigate the highway of holiness in F1 style. And for those of you that are NASCAR fans, it can be NASCAR style. I'm an F1 fan. Now, please don't leave here and go out and get a speeding ticket and said, Dana said, I can drive this road in F1 style. Speaking in tongues, it kicks up your pathway on the highway of holiness. Another essential, knowing your identity and authority while traveling the highway of holiness. To me, this would be the keys that turn the engine on. The keys that turn the car on. Now, if there's a set of keys found in the sanctuary, the first reaction is, well, who do these keys belong to? Oh, well, they belong to Dana. Or these keys belong to Renee. These keys belong to Shane. And there's a probability that no one else in here has the same set of keys that I do. Let me know. Do you have a set of keys with a honey dipper stick, a battle axe, and seven keys that are cut the same way as mine. No? Okay. This speaks to your metron. This speaks to your sphere of influence, the unique roadway of assignments that God has specifically anointed you to drive. No one else has keys like you do to drive this highway of holiness. They belong to you. So what are you doing with the set of keys that the Lord has given you? And this is why it's so important. God needs identity-rich sons and daughters who understand the authority that comes with navigating their assigned roadways well. Listen to this. If we are created in the image of God, and Paul said we're to imitate Christ, and Jesus holds the keys to hell and death, and Jesus said we have the same authority to heal the sick and cast out demons, then I think that elevates our responsibility to steward the highways of holiness from a place of identity, authority, and your one-of-a-kind redeemed story, your testimony as an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb. 
No one else can navigate these roadways that God has assigned you to be. Your authority as a son positions you to prophesy to those potholes you see hindering you, your family, your city, your region, your state, your nation. Potholes to be declared that they are filled with the concrete, unsinkable power of the Holy Spirit. Your authority as a daughter positions you to prophesy thy kingdom come, thy will be done on the highways of earth as it is in the highways of heaven. Your authority as being Christ-like positions you to prophesy to the storms that hinder road visibility. Declare peace be still and call for the light of heaven to illuminate the pathway for a highway of holy alignment. Know your identity and know your authority and steward it well. And so there's two points that I wanna settle on for just a little bit of what you need to help navigate the highway of holiness well. And I would tell you that one of them is maintaining a lifestyle of repentance and forgiveness. And what I mean by this is travel light. Travel light. Carrying the burden of sin and unforgiveness does nothing but weigh you down. And honestly, when you pack your car too tight or too heavy, in the physical, it can cause you to have blowouts, can impair your rear vision, can put stress on your car, reduce the effectiveness of your brakes, and it slows you down. We don't have time for that as we are navigating the highway of holiness. And if we're following the car driving metaphor, we need to do our best to travel light. We need to be uh, drivers that remember that the yoke of Jesus is easy and his burden is light. We need to remember to stay buoyant in the spirit and be healthy drivers with healthy hearts and healthy minds. Engage drivers that can steer away from hazards in the roadway. We need to be unoffendable drivers. Unoffendable drivers who avoid the potholes of offense. Be unoffendable drivers who are not affected by the occasional road rage from others who are not having a good day. We need to be responsible drivers who maintain a genuine lifestyle of forgiveness and repentance. And here's this epiphany I got. The reason why forgiveness and repentance work so well together, the more you repent, the easier it is to forgive. The more you forgive, the easier it is to repent. There's a balance there. And I think the Lord, understanding more fear of him and understanding more holiness and the intent of what Jesus did for us on the cross is to make sure those scales of repentance and forgiveness are in balance. And if they fall off balance, then we know there's something in our lives. There's that the rhythm of peace has been disrupted and we need to do a heart check like Psalm 139. Search me and know me. And if there is any evil thing in me, if there is any hindrance in me, then let's get rid of it. And Holy Spirit, I need you to help me out with that. Socrates once said, an unexamined life is not worth living. Daily, we should be doing these heart checks to make sure we are unoffendable, to make sure 
our heart is clear with repentance, to make sure there isn't anyone that we need to forgive. And that includes ourself for things. I had something happen to me just last month that the Lord reminded me of a situation I experienced over 10 years ago. I did the sozos, I did the, the healing, but I had forgotten to forgive myself about something. And I had the most intense hour of repentance with the Lord and the freedom that I experienced from that moment of forgiving myself through the love that Jesus has was amazing. And we need to be doing these heart checks daily. Now, I don't wanna underestimate the depth of pain or the level of trauma when it comes to forgiveness. I understand that this can be a process. But I'm also gonna emphasize that through the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can work to keep these, these scales of repentance and forgiveness in balance. The more you repent, the easier it is to forgive. The more you forgive, the easier it is to repent. And I feel so strongly about this that there's a synergy between these two. There's something about these two that work in tandem that they can't be separated. To have a life in balance, it can't. It's like peas and carrots, salt and pepper, Adam and Eve, the Bee Gees and a disco ball. It's like the 1980s and a good can of Aquanet hairspray. Can I just say that I had bangs that were amazing? I loved my bangs. I mastered what a full croissant roll looked on my head two days when I felt like I wanted to brace half a croissant. And my dad knew how much time and how much hairspray he had to buy for me to have these bangs that he would like to smash them before I walked out the door to go to school. But in full buoyancy and traveling light, they bounced right back up and I was fine. I was good to go with my 1980s bangs. And guys, you can't escape that either because I bet some of you had a pretty fabulous mullet in here that was sprayed down. A lifestyle of forgiveness and repentance is like Thor's Gump and his box of chocolates. Like Thor and his hammer, like Frodo and Sam, like chips and queso. Can't separate the two. They work together. <laughs> now moving on to repentance. Or I'm told, yeah, repentance. So if you want a good model of what repentance looks like, I would tell you to look at the life of David in 2 Samuel 12. And let me give some context, particularly God needed to deal with David's heart. When David made the decision to take Bathsheba as his wife, had an affair, killed her husband Uriah, sent him to battle the front line, God loved David but he needed to get through to his son in a very creative way. Now, he could have come at him directly, but God sent Nathan the prophet, and the way he hit David was to tell him a story. He told him a story, and it's a creative way in how God captured David's heart because it was God's kindness through the story that led David to repentance. And essentially the story was about this man that had a lamb in his home. Now remember David was a shepherd, so he knew the cost of a lamb and the treasure of a lamb. He had been around him all his life. 
But there was a man that came in town and took this lamb and sacrificed it and ate it instead of going to another flock to pull it one for himself. And David was so mad that this guy did this. He was like, kill him, off with his head. And Nathan the prophet was like, yeah, buddy, this is you. David had no rebuttal other than I have sinned against the Lord. He was shaken. Now, what I love about this story is God's unique method in how he talked to David. And it was through the power of story. And I love this because what Nathan the prophet did through the power of story was a foreshadowing of why Jesus used parables to convey truth. When you think about that through the lens of repentance, I can come at you and I can tell you, you did this and you did that. And that's direct communication. I'm telling you of your wrongdoings. Indirect communication is when truth awakens from within. You own needing to repent. You own a wrongdoing. And so it's something that registers deep within you and you repent and the kindness of the Lord leads you to a place of salvation and wholeness and you start over because his mercies are new every morning. So if you wanna read a model prayer of what repentance looks like, take some time to dive into Psalm 51. Create in me a clean heart. And if you're a Keith Green fan, that's where he got his lyrics from for that great song. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners to return to you. Modeling a life of repentance not just affects you, it affects those around you. They're watching, they're observing, they're seeing how you handle offense. They're seeing how you handle when someone offends you, when the inexcusable happens, whether to you or from you. And so taking time to repent clears that pathway. Haley Braun's book, if you haven't read that and you want some illuminated truth more about the Holy Spirit, she describes how the Lord His discipline, it's not punishment. She says, his discipline convicts us of anything that wants to rob us from living a clean and pure and perfect peace. Conviction addresses anything that gets in the way of God's love and nearness in our lives. It's not about punishing you. That's not what repentance is. It's about clearing the pathway so your connection with the Lord is restored in right alignment again. And that you are not robbed from one second of basking in his nearness. It's too costly. It's too costly not to embrace repentance. Now forgiveness. I want to tell you a story from my own life that marked me forever. April 2012, I was leaving a restaurant from having dinner with friends And I'm driving down the highway to head home and I see something in the road and I was like, no, that can't be it. And I get closer and it was a body in the road. And I immediately parked on the side, got out, walked up 
and I knew that he was gone. He was a motorcyclist, he had a helmet on, I could see a crash bike to this side, and I could see a red crash truck to this side. And I looked out my peripheral, and I see a teenager having a panic attack, rocking back and forth. So some ladies came up to help resuscitate this man on the road, no success. So I ran over to this teenager on the side of the road and I grabbed him by his shoulders and I asked what his name was. He said it was Dylan. And I said, are you hurt? Were you drinking? And he said, no ma'am, no ma'am. I was like, are you a believer? Yes, let's pray. So I just prayed for him right there. And no emergency vehicles had started to show up yet. And then shortly after, they started to stream in. And I told him, he told me his name was Dylan. And I said, Dylan, whatever they ask you, just tell the truth. Just be honest and tell the truth. So they came and took Dylan to question him. And my car all of a sudden got blocked in from the emergency vehicles. There was no way out. So I had to sit there and watch the scene be processed for a couple hours. And I'll tell you something remarkable happened where I felt this overwhelming peace of God. I felt the angelic. I could feel in the midst of chaos that heaven was present. And I knew where this man was. I knew he was in the arms of Jesus. And they just started to, after a couple hours, they started to clean everything up. And I ended up going home after that. And I hopped online to see if anything had been reported yet on the news. I wanted to find out what happened. So I hopped on there, story was posted, and a friend of mine had commented who said the gentleman that was killed was actually his neighbor. So I reached out to him. I was like, hey, I was the first one on scene. This is what happened. If you have any questions, please let me know. And I told him about how I felt heaven in that moment, and I knew where he was. And so he told me, Thank you so much for sharing that. The family will be in town in two weeks for the military funeral, and we would like you to be there. Okay, that sounds fine. So I waited, and I got a call from him and said, the mom would like to meet you, the mom of the motorcyclist that was killed. She would like to hear what you felt at the scene. So like, okay, I can do that. So prayed and I felt like the Lord said to get her a gift. And he said, go to this bookstore and I'm gonna highlight to you what it is. I go, it was one of those willow tree angels and they had one left and it was a little boy who had a heart of gold on a music box. So day came for the meeting, I walked in, we sat at the table, her name was Heidi and she just hugged me. And I found out that less than a year before her other son had been killed in a motorcycle accident. And the one year anniversary was coming up on Mother's Day. And so she had just lost her second son. And I was so struck by her and she was a Christian. She loved the Lord. And she knew that she had to forgive Dylan for what had happened. It wasn't easy. But she knew that for her heart, she had to forgive him and let go of what had happened. So I gave her the music box and she started turning it and I shared with her how I felt like the Lord just showed me that her son had a heart of gold, that he was so tender and full of compassion and she just cried and she started saying, that's my boy, that's my boy. And so even that gift, like you think about this, 
the Lord somehow arranged for me to be sitting with the mother of, her, of the, this boy that had been killed, knowing, the Lord knowing that she needed some kind of comfort after losing her second son, and arranged all this and created a pathway for her to forgive probably the most inexcusable thing that she had ever experienced in her life. And so we all went and met Dylan together. And what I saw Heidi do is she got out of the car and she hugged that teenage boy and she said, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. And they hugged for five minutes and it was the most beautiful expression after Jesus dying on the cross that I had ever seen about someone forgive someone. And it marked me in a way where I think I can't forgive someone and after witnessing that, I most certainly can. I know it's hard, but you can forgive the unpardonable. You can forgive the inexcusable that happens to your life. I know the story was kind of heavy, but it just needs to drive a point about forgiveness and how it ties so well together with repentance. The more you repent, the easier it is to forgive. The more you forgive, the easier it is to repent. Now, I wanna end on a high note. I don't wanna leave you with that story. <laughs> so I would tell you that my last point, an essential of what it takes to travel the highway of holiness well would be that you can't travel this highway without the one whose name it bears, the Holy Spirit. You have to travel with him. He is the dunamis defender of holiness. He is the master mechanic who knows when your heart needs a tune-up. The Holy Spirit is everything we need. He is fire, he is freedom, he is rest. He is our comforter, our counselor, our helper. He is the power infuser, gift giver, fruit producer. He is our interceder, our baptizer, our teacher. He is our heart convictor, hope dealer, mystery revealer. He is our temple dweller, our divine communicator, truth illuminator, and joy saturator. The Holy Spirit is the supernatural appointment book for encounters with God's presence. This is who the Holy Spirit is to us, and we need to take every opportunity to travel this highway well. So to end, I wanna play a video for you. This comes from, you know, Kenneth Hagin? This comes from one of Kenneth Hagin's meetings from the 90s, and it's a short two-minute video, and I just need to drive a point home to you that just one dose of the Holy Ghost is not enough for you. So if we can play that. If we could turn it up a little bit.
then one dose of the Holy Ghost will put you in the glory zone. And that is where we need to be. We need to be saturated with joy. If you wanna know what the highway of holiness looks like, it looks like the kingdom. Righteousness, peace, and joy. To travel the highway of holiness well, we must have the Holy Spirit to help us navigate the narrow road. Let me end with this quote from Augustine, a theologian and philosopher. Breathe in me, O Holy Spirit, that my thoughts all may be holy. Act in me, O Holy Spirit, that my work too may be holy. Draw my heart, O Holy Spirit, that I love but what is holy. Strengthen me, O Holy Spirit, to defend all that is holy. Guard me then, O Holy Spirit, that I always be holy. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.